Welcome back to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ, 7.50 a.m. Our phone number 312-255-8408. Father Greg Sackowitz along with Mark Therese. The time is 8.24 on this beautiful Monday morning in Chicago. What's interesting, Mark, is I can't believe it's already June 22nd. I thought about We're into that. our last week of June. Yep. It's like, where has June gone? It is officially summer this weekend. It's like... It just, you blink, it'll be July 4th it, next weekend. Yeah, and it doesn't feel like July 4th no, is coming. No, it was a month ago today, four weeks ago was Memorial Day. A whole month has gone by. It's like, you've got to be kidding. Yep. And I feel like our lives are just moving in this direction to keep the ship afloat during these hard times. And yet I tell people, right now it's called a ra- uh, radical self-acceptance. This is no time to be hard on yourself. Be nice to yourself. Right, and the one a lot thing, of stress going and on. And the, the one thing that I keep reading everywhere is, you know, it's not like God is not still with us. Oh, I yeah. mean, he's yeah. very present to us. Our circumstances have changed, but his presence hasn't I changed. I say God is with us, and God will see us through. So if there's trust and presence of God, who's not abandoned us, he's with us more than ever, we can abandon God, but he's with us. So in, uh, continuing this great program, our conversation about churches reopening St. Joseph Parish in Libertyville has come up with a very unique way for senior citizens or those with compromised immune systems to participate in the Mass without entering a church building. Our guests are Stan Taylor and Deacon Dan Coughlin. Stan and Dan, welcome to the program this morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Great to be with you. It, Thank uh, you. Now, which one is Stan? I'm Stan. And Dan. Okay, Stan and Dan. It's not like two, two baseball players. It's like two baseball players. So tell us, what is this this mass or grouping you have going on at St. Joe's in Libertyville without entering a church? Who's going to talk, Dan? Hello. I'll let Dan start off. Can Dan yeah, start sure. off? So, um, uh, like most parishes, Father uh, Trout, who's our pastor at St. Joseph's, wonderful a, priest, mm-hmm. wonderful priest indeed, formed a task force uh, to reopen the church. And of course, we got some uh, some great guidance from the archdiocese. The policies and procedures focused on on safety and and making people feel welcome, but also making sure that they were safe and secure in returning to mass and. Um, that's gone quite well at St. Joseph's, uh, being recertified and training greeters and people to clean the church afterwards and so on and so forth. But there's still an element of our parish um, that you mentioned that our uh, senior citizens, they're vulnerable, they're, for whatever reason, maybe they have a com- compromised immune system. They're not feeling, even with all the safety measures, completely safe re-entering the church building. And so under Father Trout's leadership, he, he said, is there a way we could do a drive-in Mass? And um, so we put our heads together and overlaid or using the foundation that the Archdiocese gave us in terms of safety procedures and the like. We looked at our facilities and um, identified uh, our main parking lot that, that um, and Stan can speak to how we mapped it out, but... Um, created a space and came up with a proposal and uh, sent it to the archdiocese for review and approval. And it basically um, involved us creating an elevated altar, an an outdoor altar that was uh, raised to a level where 
we could, um, you know, everybody who drove in could could see the altar, see the priest, see the deacon, um, uh, and uh, witness mass uh, through the radio. So we got a FM transmitter stand. Can maybe talk about that a little bit as well. So interesting. No one had to get out of their car, and um, and we were able to accommodate uh, uh, eighty different car spots, and um, and it really worked well. We had our second drive-in mass this past Sunday, so we started two weeks ago on the feast of Corpus Christi, which uh, was so important to um, share the Eucharist with. Now, again, uh, I can ask you: Has has mass yeah. been celebrated on the inside of the church, or just strictly this uh, uh, parking lot? Um, inside. So we, we started two weeks ago, uh, three weeks ago, maybe with just 50, limited to 50 people just to uh, test all our policies and procedures and make sure that we had a good working uh, environment to welcome people back. And then um, this was our second week of opening with. Um, so when Father uh, Trout has an outdoor mass and all the cars there, so we can actually tell people. Honk if you love Jesus. <laughs> well, it's, it's actually interesting the way uh, it worked out. So uh, when we did the first Mass, we do it at 7.15. We, we normally uh, have a 7.15 a.m. Mass, and that's a very devout, dedicated group of parishioners that usually attend. It skews um, a little older, and so we thought doing the 7.15 a.m. Mass would accommodate more of the vulnerable and the seniors and so in lieu of our regular 715 Mass, we decided that the drive-in Mass would be 715. And and when uh, I thought they would honk at my homily, uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, they, they didn't. During uh, it? Homily, during but, uh, or after? <laughs> but but when, mass, when Mass finished uh, at the final blessing and the dismissal, there was a spontaneous uh, honking of horns. Oh. And uh, Father Trout actually stood at the exit and waved to everybody as they were uh, beeping and driving away. So it was... Um, we didn't have to prompt anybody. It, it happened organically, and it was just beautiful and brought a smile to our face. That's, that's, that's sure. a great story. Well, let's, yeah. we're going to take a little break. WNDZ, 7.50 a.m. on your dial, Catholic Chicago, 312-255-8408. When we come back, I'd like to ask Stan and Dan, like, how does communion happen during this, and, and how, do, how, does all of, how do those logistics work during the Mass? So we'll be back in a few minutes. Please stay tuned. once said, a business that makes nothing but money is a poor business. At Catholic Charities, we are deeply grateful to our corporate partners who agree with Henry Ford. Some of our corporate partners make a financial commitment each year to the work of Catholic Charities. Other partners donate or offer reduced prices on goods and services that help our clients find stability in their lives. Still other corporate leaders gather their employees and regularly volunteer at our food pantries and our suppers for the homeless. 
For over a century, support from businesses large and small has been vital to our efforts to strengthen the lives of individuals and communities, one person, one family at a time. If you'd like to join us in our mission, please call 312-948-6864. That's 312-948-6864. Thank you. Catholic Charities has had the privilege of helping people in need in Cook and Lake County for more than 100 years. We have been ready through many historic moments and we continue to respond with competence and compassion during these unprecedented times. We would like to take this opportunity to thank our frontline workers who, despite the risks, excel at their jobs every day. From the warehouse staff members who pack boxes of nutritious foods for low-income seniors, to the dedicated WIC employees who remain open for families with children under the age of five, to our volunteers and restaurant partners who ensure that to-go meals continue for the homeless, to our home care aides, service coordinators, and trained counselors who continue their work in the most innovative ways, to our food pantry staff, and to all those who work at Catholic Charities Call Center, finding solutions for every person who reaches out to us for help. Charity is at the heart of all you do, and we salute you. You're listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. Every Monday through Friday from 8 AM to 9 AM, the Archdiocese of Chicago presents programming about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. Welcome back to Catholic Chicago, WNDZ, 750 AM, 312-255-8408. We're talking with Stan Taylor, Deacon Dan Coughlin from St. Joseph's Parish in Libertyville. Very familiar to me. I was up at Mudline for 15 years, and St. Joseph's has a wonderful, oh, wonderful relationship yeah. with, with the seminary. Uh, Stan, I was wondering, first, two questions. First of all, how'd you get hooked into this thing? Because it sounds like a lot of work. And then if, if people are listening that may be connected to their parish and want to even present the idea to their pastor, what are the logistics of this thing? Yeah, yeah, how I got hooked in was, was very early on in the pandemic when uh, it looked like we could and should or would need to shut down the church. Mm-hmm. Even back then, uh, Father Trout was hey, why can't we do a drive-in mass? <laughs> so just oh, more so it was on his quickly. list. Yeah. So this was on his list from an early, early standpoint, because he really wanted to keep the connection with parishioners, and he wanted to do it in a way that he thought was safe. Mm-hmm. So he, he tasked me very early on to, hey, figure out how we can do this safely. Uh, and that, so that started the journey. Mm-hmm. But it didn't really get much, because we, there wasn't really a lot of uh, momentum and other churches at this time, right. uh, to do an outdoor. So it really started to pick up some steam once we began to see the Archdiocese had some procedures for uh, when we would eventually be able to open up, which we now have. Mm-hmm. So that created the framework of what is the safety protocols that we're striving for. Uh, so if we saw a way to replicate those safety protocols or, in, or increase them, in an outdoor drive-in format, then that might give us something we could propose uh, to the archdiocese as a as an option. 
Do you follow the reservation protocol where you know how many, if you can, if you said it's 80 capacity or something for your... 80 cars, right? Do you have to have people reserve those their spots? Yes, they do. Oh. So uh, we actually use the same reservation uh, system as for our in-church uh, in masses. Uh, so we have all that information, which actually is helpful because we've been coming up close to our, our limits on how many we can really effectively uh, park safely and still have you know a good, if you will, a good seat in church. Mm-hmm. And stand it. Does an oil change come with the reservation? <laughs> <laughs> I did talk about maybe how we could do a little, uh, at least a windshield wash for you, or some kind of car wash. Uh, that would, uh, but uh, no one, no one seemed to go for that. I was trying to make an angle on this. <laughs> now let me ask you this. Now there's that you have an uh, FM frequency. As Father Trout is speaking from the PA system, they hook into the radio. Yes, and, and that worked really well. Uh, I've, I've sort of fiddled around with these sort of short-range FM transmitters uh, and always had kind of mediocre, uh, this was you know, back 20 years ago, uh, experience with them being kind of staticky or, or the range is pretty short. Mm-hmm. But that technology has moved forward. It's still uh, low power and within the, the FCC's um, uh, transmission limits, but it puts out a very, very clear, strong, high-quality uh, signal. What is the signal, uh, AM or FM dial? It's on the FM dial. Interesting. And you can select your frequency, so I think we use 87.9, or if, what, sure. you look for a frequency in your area that doesn't have a strong radio station, uh-huh. uh, and then you transmit the gap. I have two questions. One, I'm a development guy, so the more frivolous question, but not really in this environment, is how do you do the collection? And then secondly, my more serious question is, do people receive communion? Yeah, so let me, t- let me, take, uh, let me take the Eucharist first, um, as it should always be. Uh, mm-hmm. The idea uh, was to bring the Eucharist to people that uh, are certainly missing the real presence uh, of our Lord and yet aren't, for whatever reason, comfortable coming in uh, to, the, to the church building. And so w- we... We still socially distance the cars, so it's every other parking spot. No one gets out of their car. You have to wear your face mask. And after the consecration, the priest or deacon and and a a couple of Eucharistic ministers will go into the parking lot because our elevated altar is uh, right at the the front of the parking lot. And we just go car to car, passenger to um, um, driver's side. They roll down their window. We, of course, have our same protocols with the mask and the face shield. Mm-hmm. And preceding us is a is a greeter, an usher, whatever term you want to use, with the hand sanitizer. Mm. They sanitize the, the driver or passenger, or some people bring their kids in the back seat. And um, and then we bring them uh, we bring them the uh, uh, the body of Christ. And it, it's really it's really uh, uh, it was a, a beautiful experience, very emotional for us to do wow. it the first, um, the first weekend, because these are folks that have been away from, uh, from receiving um, communion for, you know, two to three months. Yeah. Um, so um, it was really a special uh, moment. I think our attendance grew a little bit. We had 60 cars the first weekend. I, mean, I, I don't know the exact number, but I know we had more. I don't know if Stan was there this weekend. I wasn't for the drive-in mass. So it really increases our capacity because for St. Joseph's, uh, we have our max uh, with social distancing is 178. And so a lot of people uh, in the church, in the actual church building. So in the parking lot, if we can 
you know, accommodate 80 cars, then, you know, some, a lot of people are two to a car at least, some more. So that, oh, would, right. that increases our ability uh, to, uh, to serve our parishioners. So that's it's wonderful. And then what about the uh, collection? So what, so we, did, what we did was um, as they drive away, we, we have a, uh, a receptacle where they can just uh, drop, their, uh, drop their envelope in there. And then, of course, it's just taken into the church right afterwards with um, the regular you know, and maybe another question that's hit me right now is, what if yesterday morning had been a driving, driving rainstorm? Uh, how do you do this then? I'm, I'll Stan? let Stan talk about our contingency plans. Sure. So yeah, there isn't much of a contingency other than uh, <laughs> golf umbrellas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, is, is a Father Trout like under in a, a canopy or something when he's celebrating Mass? Yes, the uh, the elevated altar structure that uh, our our crew built has a uh, if you will a, a tin roof, so there's a, a roof to, uh, to keep the elements off, and uh, so we're we're prepared for inclement weather. Uh, we're hoping it doesn't happen real right, soon because yeah. it's not nearly as much. thing when you, do, when you do mass at seven fifteen in the morning, which is an early time, you're not dealing with the the broiling noon sun. Right. If it's a, like a one o'clock mass in the afternoon or noon, yeah, that does make a huge difference. And uh, but again, you know, being early in the morning, it's still kind of cool out. So now, uh, Father Greg did have a message for Father Trout. He said he would be happy to gather the envelopes as people leave. For <laughs> <him>. <laughs> Mark, take us to break. Take us to break. W- funny. WNDZ seven fifty a.m. Uh, Catholic Chicago three one two two five five eight four zero eight. We'll be back in a few minutes to continue our conversation about the wonderfully innovative, creative way of. Uh, attending Mass at St. Joseph's in Libertyville. We'll be back in a few minutes. nation in our world, people of all faiths have recently been joining fervently in all kinds of prayer. They have found that coming together in prayer is a source of comfort and strength. In this spirit of unity, the Archdiocese of Chicago has introduced a call to prayer, a telephone line dedicated to prayer. If you would like to join with another person in prayer, call 312-741-3388. This line is staffed from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. daily with parishioners from across the Archdiocese of Chicago. These volunteers are here to listen to you, offer support, and pray with you. A call to prayer includes a 24-hour voicemail and email options as well. Experience this wonderful opportunity to join with people just like you who trust in the power of prayer. That phone number again is 312-741-3388. Let's pray together today. We invite you to watch Catholic Chicago this weekend. Featuring a conversation with Cardinal Blaise Supich and video highlights from across the Archdiocese. Here's host Todd Williamson. 
We'll talk with Cardinal Blaise Supich about the outreach efforts underway by the Catholic Church to help people in need during the COVID-19 pandemic. We'll show you how online masses have become a common way of worship, and we'll give you a sampling of how teachers and students in Catholic schools are being creative and productive during the health crisis. Watch Catholic Chicago Friday at 7 p.m. on Chicago Loop Cable, Channel 25, and Sunday afternoon at 3 on the Comcast Network, Channel 100. Catholic Charities has had the privilege of helping people in need in Cook and Lake County for more than 100 years. We have been ready through many historic moments and we continue to respond with competence and compassion during these unprecedented times. We would like to take this opportunity to thank our frontline workers who, despite the risks, excel at their jobs every day. From the warehouse staff members who pack boxes of nutritious foods for low-income seniors, to the dedicated WIC employees who remain open for families with children under the age of five, to our volunteers and restaurant partners who ensure that to-go meals continue for the homeless, to our home care aides, service coordinators, and trained counselors who continue their work in the most innovative ways, to our food pantry staff, and to all those who work at Catholic Charities Call Center, finding solutions for every person who reaches out to us for help. Charity is at the heart of all you do, and we salute you. back, WNDZ, 750 AM on your dial, Catholic Chicago, our telephone number 312-255-8408. We're speaking with Stan Taylor and Deacon Dan Coghlan from St. Joseph's Parish in Libertyville. Now we're going to transition from that involvement, which you folks are in, and we're going to invite Mary Cousy to join us uh, to talk about the St. Joseph Parish International Sharing Ministry. St. Joseph Parishioners have come together in supporting an education for children of Mashi, Tanzania. The Stella Maris School and Guest House are currently open and fulfill a self-sustaining model for the future of this project. Prisoners continue to travel to Mashi and to grow in a new understanding of another culture. St. Joseph Parish School and Religious Education Programs support the community of Mashi and are in solidarity with our brothers and sisters in Africa. So whoever would want to begin, first of all, how are the three of you involved and connected with this project? How did it, how did it happen? Good morning, Mary. Are you there? Yes, I am. Welcome. Well, why don't you, be, why don't you lead off on this, Mary? And this, this is a very fascinating program. So why don't you maybe tell us a little bit about it? Um, St. Joe's um, Parish um, got involved um, with the International Sharing Ministry in 2006, and that was um, partly because of our uh, priest, Father Val Laini, and oh, he grew up in the village of Moshi, Tanzania. So we, he was telling us stories, told many parishioners stories about the poverty and the orphan, orphan children and how the mothers uh, did not have cots to lay on when they were giving birth to their babies. So the parish definitely responded by providing cots for the, the mothers. And, and then the project with the school and the guest house began, and we, a group of us went over there, and that's where Stan probably can tell you more about um, that project since he, he continues to be involved in it. Uh, 
he's so is Stan involved in this project too? Oh yeah. Stan, what Stan, what, what don't his, you do in the parish? In his spare time. <laughs> this is the uh, this is the plight of being unemployed and, and uh, re- retired early. I have too much free time. Pastors love people like you, mm-hmm. Stan and Mary and Dan. That's for sure. So tell us about that part of it, Dan, Stan. Sure. So uh, you know, after the sort of initial exposure to the the complexity of, of poverty there. Um, Father Val said, hey, I'm going to go visit my brother uh, in Tanzania. And he sort of put it out to the parish, would anyone like to come? And I thought, wow, what a, what a wonderful opportunity. I was sort of recently retired, uh, and just in my personal space, I kind of wanted to see what poverty was like in sub-Saharan Africa, just to see sort of the poorest of the poor and what the situation is like and if there's anything we could do. And when Father Val said, hey, Anyone want to come? I thought, wow, well, here's an opportunity to have a guided tour of mm-hmm. you know the world's sure, sort hometown. Of poorest areas in his hometown. So uh, packed up the family. The Kazis packed up their family as well, and uh, we all went over there and spent a couple, three weeks in Tanzania. Wait, wait, your families went? Yes, including my six-year-old daughter and my eight-year-old son at the time. Whoa. Quite wow. an adventure for them. Wow. I, I've been to Schomburg. <laughs> Woodfield. So, and what we what we found surprised us. Uh, I kind of was expecting sort of. I guess I had this sort of stereotypical view of of poor Africa as sort of anarchistic and, and uh, uh, just sort of unorganized. But really, the people were wonderfully uh, capable and and uh, friendly and open and loving. They're just very poor. So we saw in there the opportunity that we actually could invest in this community. And make a difference and, uh, and have something come from it. Now, Deacon Dan, then how did you get involved? So uh, it became it became a bit of a family affair for the Coughlins as well. We, uh, my son Brian, who's my oldest, was about to go off to college, and by then the program was underway. So I made my first trip. It was a father son trip with Brian, uh, just to work on the project. So many parishioners have come over over the years to not only write checks, and, um, uh, but to, to build, to lean in shoulder to shoulder. We would go for, I think, two weeks every summer, and uh, I've made a half dozen trips to, uh, to Moshi, uh, first with Brian and then with my daughter Sarah, and then with, finally convinced my wife mm-hmm. to come along uh, with me and my younger son, Sean. And so um, it's really become a family affair for us, like it has for so many of our parishioners at St. Joseph's, and it, it's really just created tremendous memories. And we're, I just think it was so unique that we were, we rolled up our sleeves and went to work and didn't just, um, you know, boss people around over there, but sort of leaned in and uh, lifted bricks and built buildings. And uh, I think the commitment, the consistency coming back, Every year uh, really meant a lot to the community, and it, we were able to accomplish a lot. So it, it's uh, it's been a long it's been a long fruitful journey. I've really enjoyed it. Now, Mary, so. how has this experience touched you and your family? So yes, our family went um, the first time. I have three kids, and my husband and the three went. And um, how old were your children when they first went? Let's see, two thousand. Well, the twins were probably 
16 and Alex was probably the oldest, um, 17. Okay, so, um, wow. Yeah, I mean, it was it was great. To, to, uh, we like to travel anyway and to um, see where Father Val, you know, came from. And the, the people there are very kind. And even though there's poverty, they're so generous. And that that part just astounded me, you know, generous with their friendship and and letting us come and help, you know, work. Um, and we didn't take jobs away from anyone there. We just pitched in with whatever uh, piece of it they were working on at the time. So, is there any um, stories that you have? Any stories of interactive interaction with the folks there? That I mean, years ago, I remember going to Appalachia for a couple of years and working with the poor. And what I came back with was their deep faith, the joyfulness in their lives that. Um, you don't necessarily equate with poverty, but there was a joy and a deep faith. Any stories, anything pop up in your mind that uh, our listeners would love to hear about? Well, for, what stands out for me is we would have, like, um, you know, a mass with everyone and or an event, and afterwards uh, the women would come, we'd all dance, we all dance huh. together, the joy like what you're talking mm-hmm. about. And um, everyone was given a, a gift, and it was just so welcoming. And it, we're so appreciative of everything that we could give. And I truly, you know, the, the people um, became friends. And, and so um, that's unique, mm-hmm. I think. Any, sto- any stories from you, uh, Dan or Stan, that come to mind? Yeah, sure. I one of one of my trips, I worked uh, by a, a young gentleman, Michael, from the local village, and we lifted cinder blocks and sifted sand as part of the project to build these various facilities. But he had a young child that was ill, and you know, of course, in our backpack we might have some Advil or something. But he was looking for me to give him some medicine because his little child was ill. He didn't really understand. We we're kind of fighting through the language barrier. So I gave him a few shillings so that he could take his um, his young daughter to the doctor that afternoon, that evening. And because the next day he brought me two small little cucumbers from his wow. garden as a way to say thank you. And it was just so precious and so beautiful because it's all he had mm-hmm. and he wanted wow. to express his gratitude. And there's hundreds of stories like that. And that's uh, when you realize you're just making... Uh, a real connection, um, understanding that we might come from different parts of the world and different economic status, but you know we're all God's children, and that's my biggest takeaway uh, from the. And from thank the trip. you, and thank you is universal. Mm-hmm. How about for you, Deacon Dan? That was my oh, story. Oh, that was Deacon <laughs> oh, that, oh, Stan. <laughs> that that means, Stan and Dan sounds like that. Means, that means, Stan needs to tell a story. Yes. How about a story from you, Stan? Uh, I thought I got promoted to deacon. I was pretty excited <laughs> about all the work. I, I, you, your point about the, the the joyfulness of the people and and their their uh, their appreciation of what God has given them is so educational for me <laughs> and and uh, some of us it, it, because they have nothing mm-hmm. and yet they are incredibly happy and joyous joyful people and and uh, praise the Lord the whole time. So uh, that was. Eye opening, and mm-hmm. what sort of a specific example is? Uh, father and I had, uh, and actually one of our hotel guests had accompanied one of the children uh, back to their home to be greeted, 
and uh, the home was dirt floor, a single mm. a single room, uh, smaller than probably a bedroom in the United States. It was a whole house, if you will. Uh, and you know, all the ground around was just sort of dirt, but it was you could tell it had been you know raked like very carefully, and stones were placed just so. And the woman of the house was very proud of her home. You could tell it was, it was beautiful. It was nothing to us. I mean, we, we would see a home like that and go, oh, my gosh. And that's kind of what happened. Was the hotel guest was a woman, and she went, oh, my gosh, you poor thing. And she gave her money. Mm-hmm. And you could see the pride vanish from the woman's mm-hmm. face because she almost felt like, oh, this isn't good enough. Wow. So it was a wonderfully, and it was a, I mean, it was a painful moment in a sense, but so wonderfully educational for for us to see uh, that joyfulness in what you have is the gift. We, we should we don't need to try to continually make things better uh, in the corporal. And sense. a gift doesn't have to be on my terms, but accept a gift on their terms. Yes, it was as a beautiful as an eye opener. A question from our engineer Michael May: Are there other locations? that you go to, or is it, is it all confined to this one city, the work you do? You mean, are, are there other projects? Exactly. That other projects in sponsored? other cities? Yeah, so, you know, from Moshi, Tanzania, um, then we had a project that's peer-sponsored in Ayacucho, Peru, and we supported the Jesuits International Missions there, um, and we continued to feed like uh, 120 students daily. And there, there was a group of Krishners that have gone there several times, um, and they got to know the people of that village. And from there, the, another one that we continue to support at the parish is uh, children in Guerrero, Mexico. Oh, sure. Um, and they're very poor and vulnerable, and so we um, provide scholarships and also go on where there's been parishioners that have gone on the dental mission trips with them every year and so that's that's and we get the stories back you know the Christians come back we can hear the stories and get a feel for what's happening for those families and then our last one that we have been supporting is uh carmelite sisters in nicaragua and we help them um fund a soup kitchen to feed the poor children and some elderly people that um, live in this community of Puerto Cabezas. Now, this whole thing, does this whole thing go back to 2006, you said? Yes. Yeah, it all so started 14 with, years um, ago. Yeah, Father Val, and um, everyone still continues to really care for Father Val, and so when he would be telling his story, um, people really wanted to help. Yeah, Father so, Val is a great, we're going to have to bring this to a close, but when you see uh, Father Val and Father Trout, You'll tell him we say hello. I want to thank in a very special way our guest of the last half hour, Mary Causey, and also joined before that with uh, Stan Taylor and Deacon Dan Coughlin. I want to thank you for joining us, all from St. Joseph Parish in Libertyville. May God bless all of you. Keep up your great ministry. Special thanks to uh, co-host Mark Teresi, our producer Jim Dish, great work of our engineer Michael May. To all, God bless. Stay healthy. Have a wonderful week. <laughs>